Hello and welcome to another Talk Norwich City podcast. And I'm going to be honest with you, this one means a lot to me more than most. I am genuinely proud and to be honest with you, completely overwhelmed that I'm actually finally talking to this man. European Cup winners, Cup winner, Scottish League Cup winner, 477 appearances for Norwich City, three top five finishes in the top flight, two FA Cup semi-finals two-time player of the season winner, but the Norwich City goalkeeper on that famous UEFA Cup run, Norwich City Hall of Famer, former Norwich City manager, former mayor of Norwich. Let's chuck that in there. When you check in the dictionary for the definition of legend, this man comes up. He's got no hair, but we don't care. Brian, Brian Gunn. Gunny, first of all, thanks so much for coming on, mate. How are things with you? It's my pleasure, Chris, and uh, you, you use the word finally because you've been asking me for ages, uh, <laughs> you know, for, for the last couple of years at least, and uh, I apologise for, for not getting this done sooner. Um, well, but, uh, did you just go over that list of honours again? I've not, never heard it. <laughs> this long as that. that was fantastic. I loved it. I'm, 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 my, chest is, my chest has come out of it now. So <laughs> thanks a lot for that. I thought I'd back you up at the start, Gunny, because there's going to be some tough questions in this, mate. And um, uh, Nothing. But before we do the uh, before we do the tough questions, let, let's let's start with a with one that, that's going to take you right back to the beginning. Aberdeen, Sir right, Alex okay. Ferguson. Let's go there straight away. What was it like working under Sir Alex then? Quite a, I would say, arguably a, a raw, relatively untapped manager. Yeah, well, he was only a minion then. He, he was he was only Alex Ferguson when I first met him. Yeah. So you know, he hadn't, he hadn't got the full title. But, um, yeah, well, I was lucky enough to sign as a schoolboy, myself and Eric Black from the far north of Scotland. Uh, I think I'm one of two people from the town of Thurso, which is 10 miles from John O'Groats, who uh, have gone on to play professional football. So that's another one for that list of honours that you uh, – so maybe the, the furthest north uh, uh, British uh, football player as well. So that, that, that that's uh, – and there's not many players that have come from that neck of the woods and gone into uh, professional football. Maybe a little bit more now because Ross County and Inverness Cali Thistle are both uh, both league teams and uh, and in those days they were Highland League. So so we had to travel 200 miles to get to Aberdeen. You know, that was the first uh, jaunt. Uh, and I remember going down on school holidays. My dad's triumph to Lido. And, uh, you know, look that car up. That was a fantastic car. That, that got us from A to B many a time. And, um, you know, we'd, we'd go down there, myself and Eric Black, and we'd train with um, the, the team. Um, you know, we, we were only 14 at the time, but we were training with the youth team. So they were, they were probably about three or four years older than us. So, again, those things toughened you up in those school holidays uh, in readiness for leaving home at 16, uh, getting left at uh, your digs uh, doorstep with your mum and dad and, you know, telling them that we, we're going to be fine. Don't worry, we're going to look after uh, each other, myself and Eric. And we got into the room and there was another two boys in the room as well. So it was four of us stuffed in a bedroom. And uh, there was a, a first-team player there called Doogie Bell. Um, there was a lady called Mrs. Well. She was our landlady. And uh, Doogie was frightening because we were all chatting in our room the first night, the four of us, making, you know, sort of chatting away, getting to know each other. Next minute, we got a knock on the door and Doogie came through with his teeth out. And uh, it wasn't Doogie Rugby, but it was Doog Doogie Bell, and he was he was a tough cu customer. I'll let you know. So we were very quiet in our uh, our bed bedtime chats after that. And then the second night, I think we we went into the fridge uh, and had a you know a late night toasty or you know late night sandwich and that. And then the next night, Mrs. Welsh, the landlady, had put a sign on the door: "Do not enter the fridge after seven o'clock." <laughs> 
So this is our, this is our uh, first uh, first sort of uh, visit away from home, and uh, you know we were learning fairly quickly on the job that uh, that we weren't able to uh, do certain things. Um, some of us got a lift in with Doogie Bell in the morning, but because he was a professional, um, he was in later than us. So the ones that needed to be in there and make sure the dressing rooms were clean, uh, me included, uh, myself and Eric Black, we used to jump on the bus uh, from Bucksburn and uh, get into Union Street, which is the main street in Aberdeen, and, and get another bus down to Pitodry. So it didn't sound very glamorous yet, does it? There's no, no, there's no, no glamour, but we did have to pass a baker's shop to get to uh, to get to Pitodri, and there was uh, these special, uh, not quite croissants, but they're called butteries up there. Uh, okay. a, bit, a bit flatter than croissants, so we used to have six of those uh, as we were walking down to Pitodri Stadium. So that was us pretty fueled up for the uh, for the day's training and uh, what go. we were getting, getting ready to do. So, so yeah, so, uh, so I was going to say, you go, mate. Go you go, mate. Yeah, I'll just saying Aberdeen, it was a great learning, great learning curve for us all. You know, you mentioned Alec Ferguson, they just won the league uh, in, in the 1979 season, 1979-80. And then my first season uh, full-time was 1980-81. So I, I was coming and joining the league uh, champions, which um, at that stage, there was Bobby Clark, who was the senior goalkeeper, uh, Scottish international. Uh, there was Jim Layton, who I'm sure you'll have heard of being, uh, you know, a Scottish international goalkeeper of the future. Uh, another lad called John Gardner, who sort of didn't really take to me at the beginning because he knew I was there, sort of, uh, you know, ready to take his place in the reserve team. And um, he was a tough sort of Glasgow guy. And so, again, it is my first sort of interaction with different um tribal aspects of uh, of the country, you know, in the far north of Scotland, um, you know, being called a, a, a tutor uh, and a sheep, uh, what, what, you know, whatever, whatever they call them up there, um, having to having to learn quickly and, 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 and stick up for myself. And um, I think that was something that stead me in good, uh, good, good stead for my future career. And it was, and it certainly was in Norwich because there was a, there was certainly a couple of, a couple of more than a couple of uh, famous brawls in the, uh, in the nineties, but we won't, um, in the eighties and the nineties, but we probably won't <laughs> bring those up for now. Um, so fast forwarding just, just a tiny bit actually, yeah. Gunny, which really from nineteen eighty one to to eighty six because there's lot yeah. there's to get through. Let's get you to Norwich City now. Yeah, yeah, okay. Now, now I, I quote unquote here, you said. Norwich was easy to settle into, a bit like Aberdeen in many ways, a city surrounded by lovely countryside and lots of farms. Was that actually the reason why you settled in at Norwich so well? Uh, look, I, I know how to work the press. So that was, <laughs> that, 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 that was me just, uh, you know, being a nice guy when I first came, when I first came to there. Uh, but but, but it, it did have many similarities, you know. Um, as I mentioned, Bucksburn, that was just outside the city limits of Aberdeen. So, again, we had to travel to get into uh, Pitodri, which was the stadium. Um, obviously, I, I, when I came to Norwich, and <clears throat> that came on the back of um, Ken Brown, who was then the manager, being very good friends with Alec Ferguson. And uh, I know that a lot of uh, Norwich City fans uh, rate Chris Woods very highly. And when he left to go to Rangers... I was actually another target for Rangers at the time. Um, there was uh, there, there was there was talk in the press about Peter Shilton one day, 
who was talking to the press about me because I was a Scotland under-21 goalkeeper and I'd played about 25 games for Aberdeen at that stage and uh, was quite successful in the games I'd played and, uh, you know, sort of built up a good reputation. Walter Smith was the caretaker manager before Graham Sooners came in, so he he was a, a manager that I had at under-21 level. So there was all sorts of rumours, but um, when um, I went on holiday that, that summer, I went in the in the knowledge that um, I was coming back and, and, and possibly leaving um, Aberdeen to go somewhere. Um, so I read in the paper when I was on holiday with the, the lads, uh, so uh, Aberdeen teammates, Neil Cooper, God bless him, who's no longer with us, and a few of the other lads. Um, we went to, I think, an island just off Greece, and um, we were having a good time. And I picked up the paper, uh, Daily Record, Scottish Daily Record, let's give them a plug. And it said that Peter Shilton was signing for Rangers. So England's number one goalkeeper was, was due to sign for Rangers. So we went down to the local uh, supermarket and got a bottle of Ouzo and, uh, you know, qu quickly drunk that down the beach and slept it off. So, you know, that was my hangover for, uh, for, for the next day. And the next day, I went down to the paper shop again and uh, picked up the Scottish Daily Record. And it said that Chris Woods had signed for Norwich. Uh, sorry, signed for Rangers. Let's get it right. Let's get it right. And um, I went and had another bottle of Ouzo because I thought I was signing for Rangers. And um, there was no mobile phones in those days, so I couldn't pick up the phone to Alec Ferguson and say, what the hell's happening here? So anyway, we got back from holiday, sobered up, of course. Yeah. Went in to see Alec Ferguson, and he said, um, look, I'm sorry that Rangers thing didn't work out, but Graham Sooners had come in with a lot of money, got a lot of experienced players, Terry Butcher, Terry Herlock, uh, Graham Roberts, with so many experienced players came up from England to uh, to join the revolution there. Uh, but he said, I have got you a move. And I said, oh, where, where to? And he, he went, Norwich City. <laughs> and I went, ah, right, Norwich City. I, uh, yeah, all right, yeah. I just, uh, you know, John, uh, just did Fast News goal on the television. I, I remember yeah. that all the time. I mean, that was always shown, wasn't it, at that time? So, you know, and I, I had it in the back of my head that Norwich had had a good season the season before. So I must have seen, picked up a paper and uh, seen that they'd had a successful season. So uh, they're in the first, they're in the first division, uh, which was obviously the, the top league at the time. So I say, oh, great, that's fine. You know, that, let's do it. Let's do it. So anyway, um, I quickly got a bag, went down to Norwich for a visit, uh, met up with uh, the manager, Ken Brown, um, and came came back fairly quickly because, unfortunately, Jim Layton had got injured, um, and I had to play the next six or seven games. So when I was down there, I said, um, no, I'm really looking forward to coming down. Um, let's talk terms. Let's talk, let's talk contracts. And Ken Brown looked at me and says, what are you on about? He says, um, Alex sorted it out already. So I said, what? So Alec Ferguson has sorted my contract out for me at, uh, at Norwich City. Okay. So I said, it's a matter of interest. What, what is it? And he went, oh, blah, 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 blah. And I went, all oh, right, okay. I'm very happy with that. Thank you very much. It was, <laughs> you know, it was a fantastic deal, uh, you know, for a, for a 23-year-old, um, you know, a young goalkeeper moving from uh, from Scotland to England. So... And I think they agreed a fee of £100,000 and also another 50000 if I was to play for Scotland. So it was 150000 total. Wow. Um, and then, as I say, six or seven games mm. later, um, I, I got the chance to move. But in that time, it gave Mel Machin a, a chance to come and watch me. So Mel Machin came 
up to uh, to watch me uh, play against Alawa in a Scottish League Cup tie on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. And I knew I was not going to have anything to do in the game. It was There was no way they were going to get over the halfway line. So I thought to myself, right, I'm going to have a great warm-up here. And I could see Mel standing at the tunnel at Pitodri, which is at the far end. But I, I, I managed to have the best warm-up of my life. I was diving everywhere. I was catching everything that was coming out. Was, you know, my blonde hair was looking good. Yeah. And um, when I came back down to Norwich, uh, Ken said that uh, Mel gave me a, a, a good report. I said, well, why? how did he do that? He said, he said, nothing to do with the game, but he had a bloody good warm-up. <laughs> so uh, so I, I managed to impress Mel Machen as well, which wasn't mm. easy, by the way. I don't, mm. Mel Machen, I don't know. I mean, the older fans will know that Mel was a, was a toughie uh, in the dressing room. He was a toughie on the training pitch. Um, Ken Brown was the... The happy manager, you know, always laughing, but obviously serious when it came down to match day. But, um, you know, so to impress Mel Machen uh, was obviously one good thing as well. And uh, I, I actually came down and Norwich were top of the first division. So in uh, October 86, Norwich were on top of the league, um, yeah. having just been promoted from uh, Division 2. Graham Benstead, who was the was the goalkeeper, who uh, was Chris Wood's understudy the season before, had sort of held the fort, let's put it. And um, he was playing really well. So, understandably, Ken Brown said to me, look, he said, I, don't, I can't change the team just now. They're winning in the top of the league. He said, but, you know, you keep training the way you are and, you know, doing the things you're doing. So, they were playing at Liverpool away on the uh, on the Saturday and I in those days, you didn't have a, a, a travelling goalkeeper for some reason. They didn't take a number two on the bench. There was only one wow. sub. That's crazy. Uh, so he, I asked if I could go back to Aberdeen for the weekend to get the rest of my gear. So um, I get on the plane back up to, to Scotland. So um, I think I go and watch Aberdeen play Dundee as well, um, you know, just to just to keep, keep my mind and say goodbye to the players at Aberdeen. Uh, we actually had a drink the night after. So uh, we, we said goodnight, goodbye then. But uh, on, on that Saturday, um, they, they got beat 6-2 at Anfield. And I'd noticed on the Friday in training that Graham had pulled up with a, with a shoulder injury and he was, he was rubbing it. But um, he didn't tell anyone, he didn't tell the physio. He just went in and, and went up to Anfield the next day, played the game and dislocated his shoulder in the game. Wow. So, so obviously then um, that was my chance. My chance was uh, around the corner. So uh, after a good send-off for the Aberdeen lads, I was back down to uh, to Norwich uh, on the plane. And I think on the Tuesday night, we played a full members cup tie against Coventry City. Um, first 10 minutes of the game, I gave away a penalty kick. And uh, uh, there's a certain guy called Dave Phillips scored against me, who was playing for Coventry at the time, then to come to Norwich City at later a later yeah. time. And, but we won the game 2-1. So we went through, and um, that was my debut game. And then uh, on the Saturday, we were playing against Spurs, and um, it was, I think it was one of the times when I think Gaza was coming back from one of his injuries. I think it was a, a hernia or something like that. Um, Nico Clausen was the Belgian striker up front. Uh, Richard Goff was at the back with Paul Miller. And Ray Clements, who was one of my heroes, was in goals for Tottenham. And um, I remember pulling off a great save in the last couple of minutes from a Nico Clausen header, um, and, and we won the game 2-1. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, fantastic experience at uh, playing in front of the, the crowd at Carrow Road. 
And then, um, obviously, after the game, meeting Ray Clements, uh, who I bumped into at Petodri in 1980 with the uh, when Aberdeen played Liverpool in the European Cup. And for him just to say, well played and, you know, congratulations, just meant a lot to me. And um, ironically with Ray now, I'm, I'm still in touch with Ray all these years after, playing many, many golf days with him all across the world. Uh, and, and moving on to, um, I, I might as well do finish off my Ray, Ray Clements loving, that um, when I got sacked as manager of Norwich City, uh, one of the first people on the phone was Ray Clements. And right. um, he said to me, I'm, I'm sorry to hear, I'm sorry to hear about, uh, you know, you, you're losing your job. He says, but uh, you can come and play my golf day now in Spain. So, uh, so what a result that was. It was like, you know, sort of took my mind off straight away. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, that was the debut. And uh, then one of the one of the last things Alec Ferguson said to me when I left Petodri, he says, look, make sure you set your sights higher than Norwich. You're a top six wow. goalkeeper. Wow. He, to he, told he told me I was a top six goalkeeper. So I said, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, thanks. I, I took that on board. Um, the, the other little funny quote, um, and, and uh, uh, Archie Knox, who was, uh, was the assistant to Alec Ferguson, he said, big man, he says, you know that people go to Norwich to die. Uh, <laughs> Actually, what, what, what are you trying to say? She says, hey, yeah, people go and retire in, in, in Norfolk. That's what people do. They go to die. So, I, 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 well, I think I, I took on board both comments from both yeah, you people. Did, yeah. You did? Alec, Alec Ferguson was correct. He, he was right in saying I was a top six goalkeeper because Norris finished fifth, fourth and third yeah, yeah. in my time. Yeah, uh, and unfortunately, I, 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 I'm not worried about Archie Knox quote yet because um, I'm living in Cheshire at the moment. But uh, who knows? I might come back to Norfolk again in the future. Danny, um, you, I, I really for, for the younger fans that, that are watching this, you had you had and still do have a, an extremely special connection with the Norwich City fan base. And something that I'm fascinated to just try and get my head around is what the hell was this pretending to head the crossbar thing? What, what, why did you choose to do that? And, and what, and sort of, why did you keep doing it? Um, well, it, it was something that I must have done uh, as a youngster. Okay. I must have done it at Aberdeen. Um, I mean, the other thing that Archie Knox used to pull me up on was pulling my knickers out my bum. And that, that's something else that, you know, I, yeah. I did it at, at, at Carrow Road as well. So I did it at Pitodri, But um, obviously, because I only played 25 games for. Uh, for, for Aberdeen, I probably, nobody picked up on the fact that I used to run and try and head the crossbar there. And I think it was just a habit that I had, you know, six foot three, crossbars, what, I don't know, seven foot, isn't it? Something like that, at height. So, you know, it was just one of those sort of go up and give it a little, you know, sort of uh, wave underneath it. Was and, it, um, Gunny, did you do it for superstition or did you do it to please the crowd? No, I did, I did it naturally. And then what happened at Norwich, they picked up on it. And I think it wasn't the first game. It was a couple of games in that people then started going, Ooh, and I'd go into the back of the net. And, and, and then obviously when I picked up that the crowd were doing it, I, I, used to do it I used to do it a bit more as well. And then, you know, sort of end up in the back of the net and, um, you know, sort of, that, and, and it used to get them going, used to get me going. Uh, it, it created a bond between us. Um, but obviously the other thing was that I, I still carried on picking my knickers out my bum at, uh, <laughs> at uh, Carrow Road as well. So it was something that, uh, again, another, another habit. And I still do it to this day on the golf course. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, 
is a goalkeeper Brian Gunn thing. I love it. Gunny, we 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 absolutely cannot do this podcast without talking about that UEFA Cup run. We have to speak about it. Bayern Munich into Milan. Was was that the highlight of your career or was it playing for your country? Um I mean, I'm very, very proud to play for Scotland, and I mean, unfortunately, only six times. I mean, I must yeah. have 600 appearances on the bench between uh, <laughs> stepping in or being back up to Jim Layton, who again was my, my goalkeeper at Aberdeen, and then Andy Gorham, who came on board as uh, Scotland's number one after that. So I think I was around a, a you know unfortunate time in in Scottish football, or a fortunate time in Scottish football when the goalkeeping standard was was fairly high. Um, and that was one of the other things that um, I, I think I helped um, sort of break the tradition of the dodgy Scottish goalkeeper. Um, you, you might be aware of uh, Saint in Greavesy, and uh, obviously Ian Saint John was a Scotsman. Uh, Greavesy, you know, and they, they used to have this sort of thing about dodgy Scottish goalkeepers. And like, if they found a uh, you know a picture of Alan Ruff letting a goal in against Peru, you know, that would be it would be shown forever and, and this dodgy Scottish goalkeeper tag was 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 certainly there when I started at uh, Carrow Road but um, you know hopefully after that first season of finishing fifth and uh, a few good performances that uh, quickly got rid of it um, but yeah I mean that, that's a good question Chris and it's uh, I'm not sitting on the fence I mean I was very proud to play for Scotland because my mum and dad were there yeah. Uh, it was actually at Pitodri at Aberdeen as well because um, it was a, a pre-World Cup game in 1990 and uh, I think I had about 25, 30 tickets in the crowd that day with family and friends and uh, a very proud moment. But um, I have to say, getting beat 3-1 by Egypt doesn't make it a highlight. <laughs> so I, I, I'll have to say finishing uh, fifth, uh, fourth and third, uh, probably that season finishing third. And, and obviously the games against Bayern Munich, um, the European giants, they were, um, I'd, I'd been involved in European football at uh, Aberdeen, so my experiences was, were, were very good. And, and, and in 1983, as part of the, the Cup Winners' Cup Cup winner, um, we beat Bayern Munich on the way there as well with Aberdeen. So to go back to the Olympic wow. Stadium in Munich uh, was another great memory for me and one that, um, you know, I, I you know can never take away from me. Um, and even... No, a couple of years ago when we had that uh, reunion, when we did it, um, yeah, I think it was like, what was it, 25th reunion, and we, 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 we decided not to invite Bayern Munich because we knew they would say no because we beat them. Uh, but we knew that Inter Milan would say yes because they beat us. They beat us. <laughs> so, so, so it was an easier, it was an easier ask, and a, but at the same yeah. time, it was still a great way to remember that great run Played against Inter at Carrow Road, um, you know, all of us in our mid fifties, and still playing in front of like twenty thousand fans. It was that was a magical day in itself. Um, and Gunny, what do you remember of the um, of the atmosphere when when Inter and Bayern came to town? Like, I, I, you know, I think a lot of Norwich fans, you know, something that we miss now more than ever before is is the atmosphere. I cannot begin to think about. How electric that atmosphere must have been in in those in those games. Well, in the first game, Chris, it, it was amazing. The Bayern Munich game because we were two one up, um, and you know, last thing you do in the dressing room before you go out, right, lads, let's keep it tight. First ten minutes, let's keep it tight. Make sure we like do this, do that, the other. Bayern Munich scored after four minutes, and uh, the 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 crowd were buzzing before the game. 
the German fans were over in the south stand in that corner, so they had the full allocation of two and a half thousand. Uh, you know, very well supported team Bayern Munich, so they they filled their end. So it was that was that was good, great atmosphere. And obviously, when it's the quietest I've heard a full house at Carrow Road being, uh, if you take away those two and a half thousand fans, the, the Norwich fans just went silent. And it was just an eerie, eerie, when uh, Adolfo Valencia scored, it was an eerie, like, 10 seconds. And then people realised that, you know, we still in with a chance in the game. That was, you know, that was that was 2-2, but we'd scored an extra away goal. So, you know, we had to hold on to that and we would still go through. Um, but, you know, the fans really, really got behind us and the atmosphere, the crescendo of noise went up and... It, I, if you can get hold of a video, just just listen to it just after the goal yeah. goes in. And I say it's after four minutes, a corner kick. When we were normally very good at marking, very tight in, in, in what we did. But, um, you know, a, a Valencia got spare in the box somehow, and the ball into the back of the net. But, um, you know, it, it that, that tested us out to the limit. You know, we had to go on then. And, you know, we all know that Jerry Goss scored another one of his amazing volleys from six yards, this one. Uh, normally he's thrown them from 20, 25. But, he, 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 I only saw it the other day. I think someone put it on to Twitter the other day. It was uh, Gossi sort of ghosting into the box and Mark Bowen floating the, the, the cross into Chris Sutton, Chris Sutton's flick on. I think it was Darren Eady actually who put it on because he was reminiscing of his uh, of his debut. In, uh, I think he, him and Adi Akinbai actually made their debuts in, in, in those games as well. So it, it, it's, it's still got great memories and... People um, still remember it. You know, I, I live in the northwest of England now and, and go to a lot of football matches. And, um, you know, the, the, they remember me because of the great Norwich City days in Europe. And we only had, we only played six games, didn't we? So, <laughs> but, you know, sure. they, 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 they remember that. And, uh, you know, I think everyone really? likes being Bayern Munich and the, the Germans. So it's like uh, the fact that we did that was uh, we're, we're national heroes. You are, and, and you still are. And and we could go on forever and a day about that. And it's very well documented in your amazing autobiography and Tales from the City, um, written by Mick Dennis as well. So for anyone that's more that's really interested in, in the, the heroics of Bayern Munich, feel free to go out and ch check both of the books out. You, know, you, you want to mention my mate, Lothar Matthias? Nah, we'll skip over him, shall we? will skip over that one, yeah. Well, well, well he, he was just on, losing man. his head. On, he was losing his head. He was losing his head on the night, wasn't he? Because he felt that the referee was giving them everything. I, I was pulling off save after save, you know, one-on-ones, long-distance shots. You know, everything was sticking that night. It was Nothing was going to get past me apart from that Adolfo Valencia header. header. So I think we, we, we had a corner. There was a little thing at the near post, and I ended up with a ball in my hand. The referee gave a foul. And Mateus was right in the referee's face, and uh, I just managed to get a little left, uh, a little left dig into uh, Mateus's chin. Uh, unfortunately, oh, the referee did see well, it. <laughs> yeah, well, the referee, the referee did see it, but um, Mateus wasn't happy. Um, he, 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 and I got booked on that occasion. But there is a there is a picture, a still picture, with me sort of giving the left hook into into Mateus, and then. At the end of the game, his, his other thing was he swapped shirts with Jerry Goss. Gossi obviously scored the goal over there and scored the goal here. So Gossi immediately went and got Lothar's shirt. And as Lothar ran off the pitch, he uh, he threw Gossi's shirt at the referee. And wow. uh, yeah, so uh, Gossi was, uh, was 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 then holder of a Lothar Mateus shirt, which he'd swapped with him. And he actually got his own shirt back because it was sitting on the ground next to the referee. So 
Gossy, Gossy was a delight, a delight with that. So, uh, wow. but yeah, no, again, just nobody can take those things away from us. We've, yeah. we've been there, we've done that, and um, it's great memories for everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that people still remember it. You know, it's a hell of a long time ago, but uh, the fact that people still remember it is uh, is fantastic. It's, it's something that I immensely struggle with because I was um, I was I was literally just alive at that point. It was, uh, <laughs> I was just born. Honestly, I was literally just born. Um, so my old man was uh, probably watching that on the box as uh, as I was probably a baby at the time, being looked after by my mum, etc. So from, from the highest of highs, yeah. we have to talk about the the lowest of lows for you, if you don't mind. So. 1992 i'm i'm sure is is definitely going to be the most difficult it will it will ever get for you and um, for anyone that's read again your your exceptional autobiography you, you speak about this at, at length and um, of course losing your daughter francesca to leukemia what what i am just i i cannot get my head around this how did you get back up again? And not only did you get back up again, how did you play so soon after? I just, I can't fathom it, Gunny. How, how did you do that? Um, well, it wasn't easy, uh, put it that way. It was uh, a lot of soul searching, a lot of uh, chats with Susan and family. Um, obviously, we knew that Francesca um, was ill for, for, for a whole year previous to uh, her passing. Um, probably about 14 months. We found out in the uh, in the summer of '91. Uh, so we had, you know, the, the the actual sadness of finding out her illness. Um, obviously, the knowledge of leukemia uh, and the percentage rates of young children surviving. So we had, we 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 were very much aware of all of this. Um, we had a number of occasions when you know we thought that Francesca had cured from leukemia you know she um, had treatment and things had gone well only for it to come back so we had that on a couple of occasions so we had so many highs and lows as well along the way um of uh, of of the journey as it was it was a journey i must admit it was uh, it, and it was often a journey between norwich and cambridge um you know the regional uh, hospital at adenbrooks where the uh, looked after her, but also the old Norwich and Nor Norfolk Hospital. We had met, met many occasions in there, um, you know, with her uh, when she even e even if she caught a, a small cold, she she would have to you know have some sort of medication uh, because of the ferocity of the chemotherapy. So I, I think when you know she finally came to pass in the uh, October. Um, I don't know if you know the build-up to the games, but we we actually played at Blackburn uh, on a Saturday, and um, we got beat seven-one um, that day. Uh, and 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 I, I I sort of knew that weekend that um, that was going to be the last weekend with Francesca. Um, but at the same time, again, Susan was 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 pushing me to to, to carry on and and, and be strong. Um, uh, I, I actually flew back with um, the chairman, uh, Robert Chase, after that game. So I was back in Norwich fairly quickly after the defeat, which was a horrible defeat. Yeah. It was a horrible weekend. It was raining. It was uh, we were staying in a, a, a dull hotel. It was just nothing, yeah. nothing of that weekend. Um, I, I, well, it registers, but I, I, it doesn't register at the top of my uh, my, my brain list. And um, 
that week uh, Francesca passed away and um, you know we had to go through with funeral arrangements we knew you know we, we had a local uh, funeral service people that uh, looked after everything for us um, and Norwich played against I think it was Carlisle I think Mark Walton played against Carlisle on a, on a Tuesday night um, the day before the funeral uh, we had a funeral in midweek and um, you know the managers came Mike Walker and Alec Ferguson was at the church and all our friends from all over the country had come um, so you know we we'd, we'd had a a long knowledge of uh, of the illness um, and I think when Francesca passed I think it was um, for her um, you know the the best thing um, because she was going through such horrible treatment mm. and um, and again I, I wanted to show uh, people respect in her and 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 you know proudness in, in her and her fight and you know she 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 was only a youngster but at the same time she she still fought her way um, she used to come to games in the players lounge and um, you know play with the other kids uh, in in the players lounge and treated as as uh, as nicely as anyone else would have been so I think that. It was out of respect to Francesca that um, I decided to play on the, the following uh, Saturday, which was against QPR in a league game at Carrow Road. Um, I'd done some private training sessions, I remember at the time, with John Dean. And um, when the lads had been in in the morning, I used to come in in the afternoon and just do um, all of that week uh, of the funeral and uh, the week of the match. I used to come in and, and, and train on my own with him. And I, I, I Total respect for John Dean and the way that he coped with looking after me as well, because that couldn't have been easy for a, uh, you know, for a, for a, for a coach to do that. He had children of his own, um, you know, we were very close as well because of you know our, our success um, that season. So you know, I, I, it was something I felt I, I had to do, and um, I, I do remember coming out with tears in my eyes, um, you know, when the game started. But obviously, then focusing on the match and the crowd um you know every time i saved a shot there was you know there was seemed to be an extra applause and you know sort of uh, i don't know it was comfort or it just made me just feel that bit better um and then i remember winning the game and afterwards coming off the pitch and there was ray wilkins um ian holloway um the big center half uh iris center half alan i can't remember his surname at forget me but all of them again being parents themselves were you know very comforting with their words mm. and uh, that was it Chris it was just a case of you know get, getting on and um, you know trying to get back on the bike as they say as quickly as possible and uh, um, you know it was heartache it still is heartache you know we, 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 we never forget Francesca um, but um, you know, it's it's something that we we do visit our, our, our graveyard every time we come to Norfolk, and we've got good friends that look after the grave for us as well at the moment when we're not there. So um, she's always in our mind. Do you think, Gunny, that Francesca almost gave you gave you even more desire to succeed? Because I I still. I still don't know how you got up again. And not only did you get up, get up again, you, you went on achieved and achieved and achieved and achieved and and ended up having just such a phenomenal career. And 
I, yeah, I, I just, mate, I don't know how you do it, and I applaud you, and I'm obviously terribly sorry, and I, and I think that's that's probably part of the reason why, you know, you've got such a special relationship with the Norwich fans. You know, it's I wasn't there, of course, but I remember reading, you know, tales of the atmosphere and the connection and the charity fundraising and the amount of money raised, and you know, it, it actually it gives me a lot of. Um, good energy actually that you know the 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 the, the norwich city fans um you know really had your back um and you must you must look back at that with um with some nice memories as well as bad memories is that okay to say uh, yeah you know it's, it's 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 very much okay to say because as you said the fans were a big part of it for me uh, as i said they, they they helped me through that first game um you know the the the, the, the i was aware that there was a comfort or you know people probably everybody wanted to cuddle me on, on the day um but at the same time then um my accountant keith coleman who came up with an idea to uh, raise some money for leukemia research and um, he uh, the idea was then that uh, fans would sponsor Norris City's goals for the rest of the season uh, it, was, it was called Guns Golden Goals in the evening news and um, I, I think it was it was sort of I, if I remember rightly it was it was in the in the Easter time um, that that started and uh, probably the last seven or eight games of the season and uh, the first game we got beat 5-1 on the Easter Monday, but the great thing about that, Efani Cuckoo's goal started off the fund. Yeah. And, um, then we went on to have some amazing games. I think we beat Leeds four nil at Carroll Road. We Brilliant. we drew three three with Middlesbrough last game of the season, and all of the goals totaled up. Um, then we were hoping to raise, you know, maybe five ten thousand pounds at most at the beginning. Wow. And uh, there was £25,000 in the kitty after uh, the goals that Norwich City had scored. And, and also we finished in that third place, which eventually got us into uh, to Europe. And um, yeah, so that was the start of the, the fundraising as such. Um, the, the following summer, we did a big charity auction where we invited uh, all of the football league clubs, not all 92 clubs, to donate something to yeah. a charity event, which we held in the, the old Norwich Sports Village. And again, then we, we raised uh, a hell of a lot of money. Then there was all sorts of things. And uh, Gary Lineker had given us a talk. His son, had, George, had, uh, had uh, leukemia at the time as well. But, um, you know, fortunately for George, he, he, he's, he's still alive and well to this day. So that's fantastic. Wow. But, um, you know, we, 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 were, we were raising money uh, in different ways. People were coming up with um, their own fundraising events and um, sending checks in. Um, we did a, um, I think we did a, another boot with uh, a local guy called Dave Chisnell, um, which 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 we ended up selling and doing well with as well. So that was that was with a sort of a cartoon illustrator in. Um, I, I found one. There might be one in this drawer in front of me actually. Um, during during our our recent move up in the northwest, and uh, you know again. It was just all the different things that people were doing, young school children, you know, mums and dads and grannies right. and granddads. People were just raising oh, money and absolutely fantastic. So, again, that kept Francesca's name alive and, um, you know, helped me through my football. And as I say, Susan, probably behind the scenes, you know, helping me um, more so and, and possibly helping her as well, seeing, you know, me enjoying my life as much as I could. Yeah even though we'd lost a, you know, a precious uh, little baby. 
your your family have played such a pivotal part of um of your career it's not just been your family life your family life they've very much been a part of your career for for quite a few reasons actually i know how much of a close-knit family you are um let's let's move on to norwich city um as not a player now yeah. you had so many jobs at norwich and i feel like the only job you didn't have was the toilet cleaner can you go do you remember the list of jobs that you had i think one was partnerships how many others was there uh, well i was sponsorship sales manager yeah um, then i was ambassador yeah and i was um uh, club liaison yeah <laughs> then i was first team goalkeeping coach yeah uh, then I was um, uh, head of scouting or club recruitment yeah. as well. Uh, and then I was manager. <laughs> I love it. I think, that, I, think that's, I think that's most of them anyway. And, and did I clean the toilets? I'm sure I did at probably. one stage. Probably, yeah, probably. Johnny, uh, let, let's take you to, to 2008, 2009 now. You take charge of Norwich City, but not as a manager quite yet. It began as a caretaker manager, of course, taking over uh, the, the hot seat from Glenn Roder at that time on, on what you perceived and what everyone thought initially was going to be a temporary um, a temporary basis. And I, I will never, ever, ever forget that that Barnsley game until the day I die. You know, 4-0 four, four and, and the fans that day. And I'm not just saying it because it, it, I'm chatting to you. I feel like it was genuinely one of the best atmospheres and most heartwarming atmospheres I've ever been a part of as a fan. What did that What did that game feel like to you? Because obviously the fans were saying, Delia, sign him up, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what was going through your head in that game? Did, did you did you know that you, want, you wanted to do it full time or was it just at that stage? Because we'll go on to the stage of permanent in a minute. For that Barnsley game, did you think, right, I just need to get the lads through this? Or, Well, I think if you remember the previous week, Chris, that Norwich had got beat by Charlton in a, I think it was a replay on the Tuesday or the, the Tuesday night, FA Cup replay. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, that, that was on the back of a bad run of results, unfortunately, with uh, under Glenn. And um, I think it was on the Wednesday then that uh, Roger Mumby and Neil Doncaster came up to the, the training ground at Colney. Obviously, you know, as football people, you know these things are about to happen or could happen. And um, I was in an office across uh, the corridor from Glen. Uh, I was I was in the recruitment role at this time. Tommy Wright was the goalkeeping coach with uh, Paul Stevenson as his coach, yeah. and um, I think Adam Sadler had, had come down uh, from Newcastle to uh, help them after Lee Clark had just left to go to Huddersfield. So there was a sort of change in the the coaching staff there halfway through that, and I, and I felt that, that 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 went against Glenn and 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 the club because Lee Clark was a fantastic coach. The, the players yeah. loved working underneath underneath him. Yeah. And when he left Huddersfield, they, they, they lost something there. Um, so you know, obviously the inevitable happened. Glenn popped his head into my office, like, "Sorry, big man, it's, that's the end of the road for us." And uh, we shook hands, and uh, you know, he, he he left the building as did the other lads as well, which is, is never an easy time at, at any football club. It's like, it, it, and these things happen so quickly that you don't really get a chance to say the right things or, you know, yeah, you know say, yeah. do the right things. So um, 
I, I was left in the uh, sort of the administration side of the offices. Nobody else was really there. Roger Mumby and Neil Doncaster sort of popped their head in and said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, the first thing you need to do is like decide who's taking the team at the weekend because it was a, a big game against Barnsley. <laughs> We've got to play some so, football. Yeah, you know, you need to decide who's doing that. And then, you know, I said, look, I'm happy to hold the fort if, if, if that's the case. And... Uh, Tommy Wright had, uh, had, had stayed on. He, he was he was also going to be there. So I know that Tommy was a very good coach, he had coaching badges. Uh, and then I also got Ricky Martin involved, who was the academy manager at the time. Yeah. And Ricky, again, was young, enthusiastic coach, but then went into a more administrative side of uh, running the academy. So... So I said that, you know, we would take the team at the weekend and, um, you know, I just asked the lads to make the, the training sessions as bubbly as possible. You know, let's forget about the previous results as, as, as you do right. and lift, lift the spirits and, um, you know, get a smile on people's faces again. Uh, and, and that's what we did. And, you know, I think the Thursday and the Friday training was very good, very sharp. Um, I, I, I can't remember if there was many sweeping changes to the lineup, um, but I remember asking Daryl Russell to play in a, a more forward role. Rusty obviously was a central midfielder and wanted yeah. to, you know, come come late into the box to score the goals. But uh, I'm I'm not sure if we had a striker at the time. And obviously, you know, I, I wanted to get Wes in the team. Wes had to play, yeah. Um, you know, and and you know, we we, we sort of devised a system that um, that that got him in there. Um, so it was a case of, um, you know, trying to get everything ready for the game on the Saturday. And, um, you know, that was the focus. But I also forgot that I had a invitation to Maggie Park, who you know very well, Maggie and Trevor, yeah. uh, her, her 50th birthday celebration up at the uh, Holcomb. Um, so, so I was under pressure to fulfill <laughs> all of my commitments that week. And uh, on the on the Friday night, I was actually up in Burnham Market at the Host Arms celebrating Maggie's birthday with a couple of glasses of wine, but definitely a lot of water, which wasn't normally what I used to do. Yeah, no so, comment, no comment. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I obviously focused on the game. I wasn't chatting a lot, and if I was chatting, I was thinking about team and what's going to happen on Saturday. But you know, we we still had a good night. Maggie had a great fiftieth, and. Then they all decided they wanted to come to the game. So then I hastily had to arrange 10 tickets for all of this lot who were at the party, who were meant to be away celebrating all weekend. They yeah. all wanted to come to the football as well. So, you know, so that was, um, you know, another headache. But uh, thankfully, Kevin Platt was a very organised uh, club secretary and uh, he managed to uh, organise tickets for me. So, yeah, so coming back in that morning and, um, you know, getting to the stadium and, you know, sometimes walking past Norwich City fans, wishing you all the best was, you know, it was a proud moment. Um, and, you know, sort of meeting with the, the staff just before the game and then going into the dressing room. Um, I remember phoning Alec Ferguson um, and, uh, and and asking for some advice. I said, what, what, uh, what do you think? You know, it's, uh, what do you think you say to the lads? And he says, look, just keep it simple. Just keep it simple. And that's, that's as simple as it is. He just said, "Tell them to go out there and enjoy themselves." And wow. you could have you could have written the longest speech in the world. And Alec Ferguson said, it, it, "It's down to the players now. If they if they're going to fight for you, they'll fight for you." And, and um, 
you know, that, that was certainly the case. Um, you know, the next day they went out on the pitch, simple instructions, go and enjoy yourself, play well, you know, do the, do, do, do what you're good at and, um, you know, we'll get the result. And, yeah, I mean, 4-0 was a fantastic result and the crowd, as you say, were were unbelievable. Um, you know, again, you know, for a, 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 probably a bottom-of-the-table clash, wasn't it, at the Championship? It was an important result at the time. Mm-hmm. Um we needed to we needed to win the game and um you know we did so um that that that, that just made it extra special and and obviously you know you, you've hat tipped fergie again there gunny but actually you, you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna actually mention mention your, your your daughter melissa actually now because of course she actually started a facebook page at the time called brian gunn for manager so when did you see that? And should Melissa get a little bit more credit for making you the for, for you becoming the Norwich manager? Uh, Melissa got plenty of credit. Don't worry about that behind the scenes. But um, uh, she 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 was fantastic, and um, you know she. Uh, I'm, I'm, we're 2009, so uh, let me get this right. 11 years ago, so she was 17. So yeah, so you know it was a it was a fantastic thing for her to do um, to back me 100 percent I mean she obviously you know it's a free spirit and uh, she did this off her own back and um, you know it did it work it, it, it probably had a uh, it probably had a big help and uh, you know encouraging some people yeah uh, to sign a petition especially of, of your age and um, you know friends uh, circles that uh, that she had and um, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it, it's something that was it was strange, wasn't it, at the time? Because yeah. uh, to have a Facebook page, um, you know, about football was not the in thing. I don't think I can't remember too many other uh, managers getting a job because of a Facebook uh, campaign. <laughs> but uh, okay, we'll uh, we'll we'll, we'll oh, take that. I love it. That's unique. It, it really was such a such a bonkers time, and and now at the point. I'd, I'd really like to ask, there's quite a few points on, on this, Gunny, actually. Um, how were you offered the job? When were you offered the job? Who offered you the job? And what were your emotions at the time, you know, being offered that? Because I, I always felt, as a fan, you were just put in this impossible situation where you just, you had to take that job. Like, you're a legend, uh, you know, on and off the pitch, a, a, a player for many a year, won all the accolades under the sun. And 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 so how did you process and, and what, what happened during that period? Uh, well, after the game, we had a few drinks in the manager's lounge and uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm led to believe that um, uh, I had a, a few players, senior players, who were uh, keen to speak to Roger Mumby and Neil Doncaster to um, just give them some advice on how, what they thought um, they should do. And um, I think there were some very positive noises made towards myself, uh, which uh, then gathered some steam uh, during the night uh, because I think one of the players had phoned up um, uh, Dion Dublin um, who uh, who spoke to a couple of the lads? Um, I of course went back to Burnham Market to yeah. finish off the celebrations, and what a celebration that was! Only only to be rudely awakened at seven o'clock in the morning by Dion Dublin uh, on the phone saying, "Gunny, you've got to go for the job. You've got to go for the job. The, the, the players loved it. You know, you, the, 
this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. You've got to go for the job. So, all right, okay, DM at seven o'clock in the morning, mate. I'm like still hungover. I'm like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not officially sober enough to be speaking on the phone at the moment. So um, he says, no, mate, look, look. And if you get, if you get the job, I will come as your assistant. Wow. So okay. this, this is a, this is a, a little bit of a so – Dion's got this as well because we spoke about this recently on a, on another podcast. So Great podcast. Um, it, well, it, it, not as good as yours, but it's okay, isn't it? So, you know. <laughs> so, so anyway, Dion saying, "Look, you, you get the job. I'll come, and um, you know, we'll have it. We'll set up the coaching side of it. Blah 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 blah." Because I mean, Dion was a legend. He was only there for about eighteen months, but you know, he'd already won the hearts of the Norwich City fans. And yeah. I suppose if I announced that to the to the to the to the public that um, that he was coming on board with me, that would be, you know, extra special. So so anyway, went for a walk on Holcomb Beach with Susan and the other people. So I was saying, look, Susan, I I, I need to I need to think about this. I, you know, the, the players loved it. You know, Dion said he wants to come back as a, a coach. Um, I want to get Ian Crook back from Australia because I know that Ian Crook would would, mm -hmm. would jump at the chance to come as well. And you know, Michael Folger was a great supporter of Ian Crook throughout his career in terms of sponsorship and then friendliness afterwards as well. So I knew that if I could formulate a, a coaching side, Ian Butterworth was another one who had the highest qualifications of of, of, of all the coaches. Um, you know, having been you know at Cardiff City and then he was at Hartlepool as assistant manager at the time. But again, those guys went on and did all the top qualifications. I was only halfway there in terms of my my, my badges, but yeah. again, those were something that I was thinking I could carry on in the job, which was 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 another thought. So when I um, spoke to Michael Folger, um, and then I spoke to Neil Doncaster, I said, Neil, what's happening about you know the job? And he told me that there were holding uh, interviews at Stansted Airport, the hotel at Stansted Airport the next day, on the Monday. <clears throat> um, I'm led to believe that Ian Dowie, Paul Ince and Ian Holloway were uh, were also oh. on, the, uh, on the interview list. And yeah. um, I came in at the end of them and basically <clears throat> didn't have anything really prepared apart from, you know, the, the, the result on the, the weekend, um, the, the passion uh, and the, and the, you know the, I suppose the, the dream team, um, as well. John Dean was also involved in that as my, uh, you know, head chief scout. Yeah. So there was a there was a big Norris City connection there, and it was something yeah. that we hadn't had for a number of years. I think I mean, we needed to get back to you know mm -hmm. that sort of formula that um, I felt would would work at the time. So uh, yeah, so the interview went ahead. Uh, unfortunately, we got a phone call from Dion to say that um, his contract from Sky TV wouldn't allow him um, out. So that, that was a little bit of a stumbling block because obviously Dion was was a big part of the, the dream team. Um, so Dion definitely wanted to become coach to you. 100%. 100%. Wow. So. Um, but it was something that he was unfortunately couldn't get out of the contract that he was he was in. Uh, it was explored at the time, and I mean, more often than not, these things. Um, I mean, in my new sort of life in football, I know that if there's a manager looking to get the job, there's there's probably two or three lined up. Um, yeah. 
I've always been told, you know, the best chief executives know who the next manager is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's a there's a there's a sort of a line of uh, of, of of communication yeah. that they've already gone through before, uh, wow. and people phoning up and, and and obviously putting their names in for the job mm. if they know that they're running results going badly. So you know, those, those yeah. things do happen. They still happen to this day. Um, so so I I got in. Um, you know, bit of a knockback with Dion, um, but we, the positive news was that Ian Crook was on his way from Australia. If you know, we, we, we got the job. Ian Butterworth was a minimal um, compensation package from Hartlepool, and then I think it was around about ten o'clock, eleven o'clock at night. I was actually in Carrow Road in one of the rooms, and um, I Neil Doncaster came into the room and shook my hand and said, "Congratulations, you're the new manager of Norwich City Football Club." What, what did you think at that point, kind of like? Because I just, what, what was your reaction? What did you, what, what was your instant thought reaction to that? Um, yeah, it, it, it was, it, it was what? It was like you know, and, and you know, okay, that's that's great, and you know, I think that um, you know, if if we played it out again, um, you know, I, I I don't think I could have played it any better, of course, uh, yeah. because I got the job, but. Um, I think it was so close. Um, wow. You know, as I say, there was there was other managers of great credentials, um, also you know in in the pipeline for that, and it must have taken a lot of phone calls between Michael Delia, um, Michael Folger. Yeah, um, I think Stefan Phillips was was around at the time as well, and obviously Neil Doncaster and Kevin Platt too again was a big part of the process and um you know he was quite close to the players as well so i think he got the he got the inside um feel from the players and and, and i think the players um and the fact that you know i was willing to put my neck on the line um it, you know it, it it was a job that i knew would always end up um you know the way it did but not not so quickly but yeah it's, it's inevitable that um you know you you will lose the job at some stage mm -hmm. but i think i was willing to take that opportunity and my ambition was obviously to keep norwich in the uh, in the championship at the time and my my own mind had it that i would then relinquish the uh, the role and maybe move into a, a different role within the football wow. department, but maybe a sporting director type Stuart Weber role, wow. um, technical director, you know, working above the, uh, or alongside the manager uh, and supporting the board. Um, so that, that was, that was what I thought at the time. That's what I yeah. thought in January when I accepted the job, but obviously once we got to the summer, um, it, uh, yeah. it changed again then. You had, such a such a ride as as manager and you worked with what i can only describe as just such an eclectic mix of 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 players from from glenn Roden's quite frankly rotten loans to legends to hard working um to to just such a vast range of players and before this podcast gunny i actually spoke to to three of your former players and i said Sum up Brian Gunn in one sentence. So first of all, Lee Croft said, legend, Mr. Handsome, 
all-round top man and Mr. Norwich City, rubbish at betting. I'm always taking money off him. He's scared to play me at golf, always an excuse. What's your reaction to that? Um, he lives in fairyland, that boy. I tell you. <laughs> he, lives in, he lives in cuckoo land. He does. He does. And I told him at the time, when he left Norwich City, that he wouldn't find a better club than Norwich City. And to this day, he regrets. He regrets leaving, doesn't he? You know, you, you speak to him as well. So I think uh, obviously the financial elements of his move were were, were, were great for him and his family. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know, he, he had to do it at the time. But um, if he'd listened to me, he would have been back in the championship very quickly. And, um, you know, the, he knows. Uh, he knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. Yeah. And but, definitely. You know, Beat me at golf, never. <laughs> and the second never. player I spoke to right. was Fozzy, Mark Frothingham. He said yeah. he's a big family man and one of the most genuine guys I've ever met. Big love for him. What was it like working with Fozzy? Fozzy was so enthusiastic and um, was well. Fiery was was good. I didn't mind Fiery because you know we, we can all be fiery. Um, it, it was a passion that. Um, that I liked. I mean, obviously we're from the same country. Um, I mean, obviously the hardest thing was telling him he wasn't playing in one game, and um, yeah. you know he yeah. kicked off. He kicked off, which was fine. I mean, we we had a a, a blazing argument in the in the manager's room when I, I I told him he wasn't playing, and um, you know, so he accepted it and you know got on with the job and put him on the sub later in the game. He he went out and played played away. Um, he, he stood up in the dressing room after I, I think the second or third game at Doncaster away. And um, uh, I don't know if you remember. I think we drew one-one. It was a late equaliser in the game, and we were we were we were working really hard for each other. Um, Arturo Lupoli, um went went on and basically jogged around. You know, one of those sulking uh, performances because he was on the bench and he, you know, he was he was put on for reasons, put on to 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 work hard for his team to to close down. So. Although we got the late equaliser, um, I, I lost my, I blew my top in the dressing room after the game, and uh, uh, I think Arturo was speaking in Italian or something like that, and Fozzie got up and, and and blasted everybody because you know we you know we we were in it together, and um, we we needed results, and we got a result, but this lad wasn't part of what we did, and. Um, I think, as you know, he probably left the club fairly quickly after that. Yeah. Uh, on the next, on the next plane to Italy. So, um, and 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 I think you've mentioned it there. We we were we couldn't get um, we couldn't get uh, we didn't have long to work in the transfer market. So, but you're going to tell me another player now. So I'll I'll listen to that. But yeah, well, Fozzie, Fozzie and I, Fozzie and I, you know, we 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 were we had a great relationship. Yeah. Um, very professional. And obviously, um, the day that he left the park, um, you know, when he came off and went straight down the the tunnel, um, I know you've spoken to him. I know you've yeah. spoken to him about that, and uh, you know, he knew then that um, he he wouldn't play for Norwich City again. And uh, you know, we came to an amicable um, yeah. arrangement that um, seen him leave the club and, and go on and, and, and continue his career elsewhere. And um, I, I, I've spoke to him recently, so. You know, again, we 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 didn't we've not fallen out on the on the back of this. We we still remain good friends. He's a, he's a top man, is Fozzie, he really is. And and then the, the the final man, 
Um, he's a man of few words, is um, none other led than, than the Norwich City legend, bona fide legend, Grant Holt. And he just said, would liven up any room. And what I want to say about Grant Holt, Gunny, and what I want to ask you about that squad is I just, is there a part of you that is, um, because the, that that team that got promoted from League One, it was your team. And I'm not going to have you sit here on this podcast and pretend that it, that it wasn't and that Lambert should get all the credit because I think Paul Lambert, and it's not, and I promise you that it's not just because he's at Ipswich now. <laughs> I, I think he's got way too much credit. I think you built that squad. You brought in probably the best player in the last 30 years to play for the football club in terms of contribution by way of goals. You were the man that did that. Is there a part of you that was jealous, envious, frustrated? Did you feel somewhat betrayed by the football club? Um, Obviously, I was devastated when I got told that I I was no longer um, required as manager in Norris City, but I understood the reason why and how it came about. Obviously, we had a new chief executive just come into the job, uh, you know, six weeks previous to the start of the season. Uh, we had a new chairman, if you remember as well, uh, mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in, 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 in situ. So there was a few changes at boardroom level. Um, but obviously, I, I got support from... The ex-chairman Roger Mumby, uh, Neil Doncaster, you know Michael and Dealey, Michael Forger. So, I felt I had allies in the boardroom, um, and and you know they wouldn't have given me the finances to go out and um, yeah. re- re- reconstruct that squad. And you know I think if I remember rightly, I, I I signed six players with Neil Doncaster before he left to go to Scotland, and six players with David McNally. Um, yeah. So there was twelve. There was twelve new signings coming into yeah. that side. Um, you know, we had a, a pre-season um, build-up. We went to Scotland. Um, I don't know if any of the lads have told you about this, but um, we went to St Andrews, and we stopped the. Uh, I stopped the bus outside the old uh, hotel at St Andrews, which is obviously the one you see on the golf course. The you know the famous one on the 17th that uh, the players drive across. And I said, look, had we stayed in the championship, we'd have been staying in that hotel. <laughs> the fact the fact that we got relegated, we are going to be staying in the halls of residence. And so so just to let you know, if we do get promotion next season, we'll That's be right. staying in that hotel. Nice. So I so like that, that. that 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 was, you know, just a little a little motivation um, you know, in in and 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 sort of also remember where we are. You know, this is this is you know we 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 are we're not in the place we, we we should be. We're in we're in lower levels than we should yeah. be. So I think that was that was taken on board. Um, felt we had a good preseason. Um, we signed one of your other friends, John uh, Jens Bersalascu. Uh, yeah, who'd come on trial. He came into our he came into our training camp and uh, played in a, a preseason friendly against St Johnston, which we'd organised. Um, at, at, at the training grounds at St Andrews. And um, the thing that uh, impressed me and Ian Butterworth about Jens was when the goalkeeper kicked the ball over the halfway line, Jens headed the ball back to him. It was like the the, the, the best centre-half header 
that we'd ever seen. And, um, you know, he was tough. He was professional. Um, you know, he, he, he wanted to, to come to Norwich to, you know, to, to, to play and help us uh, get promotion that season. Um, who else are we, we talk about there as well? So, yeah, we, we, we did pre-season, then we came back. And I think we had some injury doubts, didn't we? I think that Michael Theoklatos was, was, was carrying a hip injury. Um, Grant Holt was just past his medical yeah, just just past his medical because he had an ankle problem and had to have a a quick operation. I think before we uh, we got into the season, if I remember rightly. But um, you know, we we decided to go through with it. And again, Chris, it's it's yeah. I mean, I I helped um, I helped entice um, Grant to the club. I had meetings with him and his agent. Yeah, and I I. He signed for us, but if you remember rightly, it was on the back of the season ticket rebate. Yeah. yeah. That um that, that the fans decided to leave their money in, even though we got relegated. They, they left their money in the pot and Michael Folger matched, uh, matched it. So we had four or five hundred thousand pounds in a pot that um helped us um purchase Grant Hall and we did. But I, there was a hell of a lot of competition for him. Uh, there was other clubs there that were that were were vying for his uh, for his yeah. services. Um, he was always one that I liked. I, I, I remember seeing him um, playing for Shrewsbury. I think it was against Mansfield, and I went to the game. And he he bossed um, the front line after one of his his core striker got sent off, and they were playing with ten men. And Grant absolutely bossed it with with him playing up front himself. And I think he scored two goals that day. And um, you know that that that. That that was me impressed straight away. And the fact that when I got and I was scouting for Glenn at that time, and he was one that um, I put on my list that we we should be signing, and um, thankfully we did for Norwich City. And that's and what a legacy. And um, Gunny, there is a name that you did mention there, which again I feel like I have to mention as part of this podcast. Um, we've we've had um, many an argument about this, um, both publicly and, and not publicly. Michael Theoklitos. Yeah. What, what what the hell happened? Because the man, as you've rightly said to me before, you've said to me, well, this guy had all the credentials under the sun and obviously a, a tremendous amount of scouting has gone into that. And then that performance against Colchester, like what happened? Uh, I just think it was sharpness. As, as I mentioned, he, he, he was struggling with an injury. And I think, I think that, to be fair to him, um, we possibly, you know, but he played on the Tuesday night against Crystal Palace. Had a fantastic game against Palace on the Tuesday night. Grant Holt scored, uh, and we drew one-one against a Premier League team. Um, so you know everything was looking good. I, uh, it was probably just down to Mark Sh- Matt Sharpness and him not having the the knowledge of the um, the English game. Yeah. And 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 you know the big six foot three striker, yeah. Who who all of a sudden has a pass back which bounces from forty feet in the air and gets headed over him as he as he comes. And it's all about timing. And we've all done it as goalkeepers. We've all come out in that same situation. The striker is very brave. You take the striker out, but the ball ends up in the back of the net. I did it in my debut for Scotland. I came out and punched the ball, you're, and uh, the, the, you're so in the goalkeepers' union, mate. You're so in yeah. the goalkeepers' union. I know. Well, well, yeah, but 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 
he was he was an excellent goalkeeper. He was the Australian goalkeeper of the year for two previous seasons. <laughs> right? He went back to Australia. He went back to Australia and was goalkeeper of the season for Melbourne Victory as well. So, you know, do your research on Michael Thorkotos because... Well, I can't now because he's changed his name, Gunny. Because I think... Theo. Theo. It's called Theo. You can get yeah, him. It's Michael, all right. Don't worry. Theo. And, and, Gunny... and, and he came recommended from Chris Woods as well. So Chris oh, wow, Woods, okay. ex-Florida City goalkeeper. Right. He'd been over at Everton on trial. And he came in He came in to us for a couple of days when... Um, but he was on his way back to London. Yeah. And so we actually had him at the training ground the season before under Glenn, um, when David Marshall was a keeper, and he, he did a couple of days training with us then. Okay. And so it, it, it wasn't a stab in the dark. He he was an excellent goalkeeper who, like wow. I mentioned, I lost 7-1 for Norwich City and went on to play, you know, another 300 games after that. He, unfortunately, played one game for Norwich City and didn't go on to play anymore. Just so, so then just quick on that Colchester game, I'm not going to talk to you about it. Everyone knows how horrific that, that game was. But when those two beer-bellied blokes ran at you and threw the season tickets in front of Paul Lambert, quite an, quite an iconic image, did you see those two blokes coming? And did you think, oh, my God, I'm, I'm in trouble here? Have you not seen the picture? Well, you're, you're, you're not bothered as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. So I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered at all. Uh, and I've got Manny, the kit man, and I've got yeah. Stuart, uh, the physio, who have gone out and, yeah. and, fought, and fought for me. So, you know, that, that says a lot for those guys. Okay. No, no, fair enough. I, wasn't, wasldn't, I wouldn't take there, it on, mate. Yeah, me, there, I'm just talking there, to you now. There wasn't, no, 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 but they fought for me. They, they stood up for me. They, 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 they were protecting me. And, um, you know, that was something that, you know, I'll never forget to this day. Um, I still mm. come back to Norwich, as you know, and um, maybe do some you know, dinner events, speaking events, which, I mean, I'll be doing a few coming up in, in December. But I always take two cards in my top pocket and, and hold them up just in case those two guys are in the room. Because <laughs> come and get them. Come and get them for yourselves. Right, so, I know, hey, look, I, I can understand the frustration of the fans yeah, and cool. um, those two, those two, um, you know, father and son. You couldn't write it in a book, that one, could you? But... Um, yeah, I, I totally understand the uh, frustration and the, um, you know, well, I don't know what they were showing. Whether it was passion or whether they were showing just disgust. I think it was more disgust. And uh, I don't think they've seen a Norris City game since then, have they? I, I, I don't think so. And, and Gunny, speaking of disgust and something that we've spoken about off air um, around the family table um, on a couple of occasions now, but I would quite like to make this public. David McNally, how did your relationship start and how did your relationship end? Because the way you lost your job was absolutely disgusting. So it started positively, as I said. We signed six players. Um, obviously, David came into the club. He didn't know me from, uh, you know, he, he obviously knew about my 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 history with the football club. And I'm sure that they had board meetings and I'm sure he was one of a couple of candidates who were going to get the um, the chief executive job. So he came with a good pedigree as well from Celtic. I think he'd been at Fulham as well. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, he'd, he'd been around and obviously been well recommended, I think, to Michael and Delia by Roy Hodgson. 
So he'd work with Roy. So, you know, credentials there of uh, somebody who knows his stuff um, and, you know, will get things going. So, you know, that, yeah, that's fine. Not a problem. I think Neil Doncaster had left to go to Scotland. He's got his FA job. So he had uh, he had another job lined up as well. So, so you know, changes in, 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 in football. Um, Alan Bouquet was the, the, the chairman. He was a... Uh, a, a gentleman who um, was a, a, a sort of a chief exec of a building company or a chairman of a building company, if I remember rightly. And um, he was a member of uh, the Ambassadors Club, uh, which sit on the left-hand side of the uh, director's box. Yeah. So he he was uh, he was a part of a, a group of business people who I think donated 10 or 15,000 pounds. They were called associate directors. Uh, when Norwich were and and the club were trying to do yeah. some ex, extra fundraising, yeah. So he was privy to a lot of the the, the board level chat then, and um, I think it was just another change of face. Roger Mumby was 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 fairly unwell or, or, or coming into a stage of not being not being well enough to to carry on the job, and um, there was a, there was a change at boardroom level as well. So so I had to work with him. Uh, as I said, we signed six players, and I think that Grant Holt was one of them. So we would have been, I'd have been on the phone to him, um, chasing him, um, asking him when Grant was coming to the training ground, you know, have we agreed a fee, blah, 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 what we're doing now. And just normal chit-chat between a, a manager and a, a chief executive. Um, and likewise, the other players that we signed, um, you know, he he was part of, of, of those signings as well. So that, that was the original relationship. And then um, after the 7-1 um, defeat, um, one of the first people I saw outside the manager's lounge, which is, as you know, Chris, was at the end of the corridor past the away dressing room. And uh, in a little corridor there, David was waiting. And um, he said, uh, that didn't go very well, did it? So I said, no, no, I was quite embarrassed about it myself. And, you know, I proceeded to send messages to all the board members and the chairman that night to say, you know, I was embarrassed with the, the way that we played and the result and uh, it, it wouldn't happen again. Um, I got a response from Alan Bouquet straight away to say it, it, he was very embarrassed as well because um, mm. it was his most embarrassing uh, moment in football, which was, I thought yeah. was, well, well, it was his first day in football really, wasn't it? Mm. As chairman of Norris City Football Club. So I thought that was quite, uh, quite, quite ironic and funny. So I knew I knew that um, you know that that the things wouldn't have been right, and then there was there was talk of a a, a a bumping into with Paul Lambert and David McNally in the in the the boardroom, or he'd gone up to the boardroom upstairs to to pop his head in. He, he quickly popped his head into the manager's lounge where I was having a drink with Ian Culverhouse, um, just to say cheerio. You know, Paul Paul wasn't one for. Wasn't one wasn't one for many words, you know. You know, so straight on the bus, um, you know. So that was that was the last we we, we saw of him. Uh, and then obviously the next day, um, I told the players that they needed to report to the training ground. Um, we watched uh, uh, a horror show, an hour and a half of uh, of the of the game. Wow! And um, I basically stood up and walked out the room, and uh, you know, sort of basically said, "Thanks a lot for spoiling my Sunday. I hope I spoiled yours as well." And I don't know if you know, but um, I was also down for art duties that day with Mrs. Gunn. Susan had a big painting that needed delivering to a uh, prestigious uh, home in Norfolk. And uh, I was not manager of Norris City, 
driving a white van uh, and, and taking this uh, magnificent yeah. painting uh, yeah. into a um, posh lady's hallway and uh, asking her where she wanted it and like you know does it look good here and uh, things like that and she didn't have a clue who i was she didn't know that i was the, the manager of norris city that got beat seven won that neck the other day previous so you know that that, that was that was me um those two days uh, right after the uh, right after yeah. the uh, the famous seven one but what about the you, you've told me before about a train journey home and <laughs> And I'm not I'm not letting you escape this, Gunny, because I think it needs to come to surface. What what, what was the conversation? How did you get sacked? Um, well, basically, I got a call. Um, so we we played um, Yeovil on the Tuesday night. Uh, made a few changes to the team, um, and and we ended up winning the game four 0 I think Grant Hall yeah. scored a hat trick, and yeah. Tom Adiemi made his debut. Um, we changed the goalkeeper. Um, we thought that was that was probably the best thing to do with the the fact that we'd lost seven goals at the weekend. Uh, so uh, um, one of the Annex played. Uh, I think we signed Ben. Ben Annex played, and um, then we won that game four nil. And something funny was happening uh, behind the scenes. I, I was due to sign two young players from. Um, a soccer academy in London. Uh, they, they played in a, a couple of pre-season friendlies, um, a couple of uh, reserve games, and they'd done really well. Uh, young, hung, hungry strikers from uh, from London, right. and um, they weren't going to cost any money. There was only wages, and um, I'd asked David what was happening with these, and he said, "Oh, I said there's a couple of like, things with the, the club, something not right," and. So I'm thinking that that shouldn't be like that. The players' mums phoning me up saying, "Like you, you know, you promised that we would be signing for Norris, blah blah blah." But um, I think that was the the sort of the first time I was on the Tuesday night after the four 0 win mm. that um, I started to sort of think about things. Um, we stayed down in uh, what county is it? I don't even know. So we played we played Yeovil, but then we had Exeter on the Saturday. So yeah. we stayed. It's Cornwall, is it? Is it Cornwall? So we stayed down. We stayed down there uh, in a in a hotel in Exeter for a couple of days after the game. Um, we took all the lads out for a pizza on the Wednesday night, and we came back to the hotel with a couple of beers uh, just to you know get the spirit back up. Yeah. And we watched a game on television together. I think there was a Man United were playing in one of the other cup ties on the uh, on on the same night. And then we had a couple of good days training. And then both Ian Butterworth and I were in Exeter having a coffee and uh, getting a phone call from Kevin Platt on the on the Thursday afternoon. He said that uh, David, actually it might even have been on the, on the Friday morning, I think David McNally was on his way down uh, on a flight and he'd like to meet you at two o'clock in the, in the hotel. So anyway, I, I only thought then that, he's going to sack me you know that was that was the immediate thought so um i didn't really have anything prepared to say um you know he, he, the only words he offered me was that the board had lost uh, confidence in my ability to lead this team back to the uh, to the to the championship <clears throat> and obviously I, I questioned that after one game um you know we signed 12 players we settling in time um but it was evident that um, the decision had been made. Um, I, I decided to, I, I asked for 
you know, some some, some compensation as such. Um, uh, he went away, made a few phone calls. I went away. I phoned Sir Alex Ferguson, who was Sir Alex at the time, uh, before I phoned Susan, my wife, and just said, what do you do? And he says, well, you know, look after yourself and um, make sure that, um, you know, they, they don't take the mickey out of you. Uh, I'd, I'd say something stronger, but uh, there'll be younger people watching this. So, um, and then he came back to me and said, no, we can't do that. I said, well, sack me then. And uh, he did. Um, so, yeah, my, my regret is not putting him in the green wheelie bin that um, was, was behind us on the uh, the decking outside in this uh, Exeter Hotel. Uh, I could have, like, emptied him into the bin and nobody would have known it. But, you know, that's that's not my style. <laughs> that's not my style. So, you know, I accepted accepted the uh, the situation. Um, quickly got the staff together, had a meeting with um, the lads, Ian Butterworth, um, Paul Crichton, Ian Crook, yeah. Mandy Kitman, um, the physios said, look, lads, I'm sorry, but, you know, that's my time over here. Um, you know, they want you to, to look after look after the team. Um, and by the time I'd finished saying that, it was on the ticker tape uh, on Sky Sports because we were in the, in the room. So within a matter of minutes, he'd obviously... Oh announced it that um, I was sacked. Um, mm -hmm. So I asked the, the rest of the staff to get a meeting together with the, the players. Um, I was told I had a train ticket. Um, I think, uh, remember rightly, it was, I don't know, three o'clock train from Exeter to Paddington. Um, so that was that was already booked. So I, I quickly... Spoke to the players, um, you know, told them the news that um, I'd lost my job, um, but uh, I asked them to prove me right uh, and to go on and win the league like we intended to do at the start of the season. And that was the last thing I said to the lads. Um, you know, you're all good players. You know, you you uh, you know you 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 will you will win the league. Um, I think I actually asked David David McNally for my, for the league winning bonus as well in the. In, 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 in August, so I think that's what he said no to. So, uh, so, uh, so unfortunately, unfortunately, that uh, that that was me uh, yeah. on the train to London, which from Exeter I think is about four hours. Yeah, not great. Not great. So I reckon the um, the uh, thankfully it was a first class ticket, and thankfully the um, the wine trolley was coming up and down the. Uh, uh, the middle section, and uh, I, I managed to have uh, a power Good. to my mobile phone, obviously telling people about what happened. Um, so I was able to speak to people. Um, so I, I think four bottles of wine later, I was I was in London, and um, I had to get across London, and then I had another two-hour train journey from uh, from London to Norwich. Blimey. So thankfully, there was another wine trolley in the uh, in the in the Norwich to London train as well, the wow. London to Norwich train. Mate, thank you so much for opening up about that. I really, I really do appreciate it. Um, I think that the fans have probably wanted to to known about that for a long time, and is it's clearly something that still today hurts you, which um, isn't nice for you, but is kind of uh, good for Norwich fans to know that you're not uh, disillusioned from the football club. I think that there was this fear, like initially, of we've just completely burnt a legend out after all that time, after everything he's given from the club you sack him in the manner that you've done so um in a in a really poor 
um, really poor way. Anyway, we could do a whole podcast on that alone, Gunny. Just just very, very quickly, Just get, we're going to have to do a quick fire because we're literally running out of time now. We could go up yeah. until midnight. Um, Angus Gunn, he signed on loan for Norwich City. You, what a proud day that must have been for you. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, and whether Angus was, was obviously a, a subsequent um, part of what happened afterwards, you yeah, know, exactly. with David uh, McNally, um, you know, obviously Angus got offered um, pro terms, uh, scholarship terms and, and pro terms with, uh, with Norwich City. But um, were we willing to let him be there when, you know, we'd, we'd known what happened? But at the end of the day, it was a it was a it was a family decision, a decision with Angus. Angus is his own man. Um, he was 15 at the time, and we decided that, and he decided that um, there was other clubs out there. And um, every every time the awkward thing was going up to Colney, watching Angus play games in a, on a Sunday morning, you know, watching the first team train, and you know there was Paul Lambert's car in the in the manager's space and things like that. So you know our paths would cross. Of course they would. But um, when a team like Manchester City comes in and uh, offers you the opportunity to develop your career um, in their new sort of um, complex, yeah. new complex and, you know, all the facilities that they can offer. Um, obviously, Norwich was still a League One side when, when these discussions were happening. Um, it, it was a decision that um, we, we we did as a family. It was a it was a meeting in 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 the house, and you know we did a, a Sunday lunch with a, um, a clipboard, and the kids were trying to figure out what I was doing out. So I get the clipboard out, and I was drew a map of uh, the country, and you know there was a lot of clubs interested in Angus at the time, and Melissa was just going to university in Manchester. Um, Susan was from the Northwest. Uh, there was a lot of activity around the Northwest. Wow! Um, and you know, I, I I was obviously just relieved of my duties at Norwich City at the time, so I was the most flexible yeah. out of anybody. You know, there was not there was no reason for me to to stay in Norwich or to you know go anywhere else. But so the decision was taken to go to Manchester City, and um, Angus finished his schooling. Um, obviously, Melissa went to university. Um, Susan uh, moved her art practice, um, you know, from Norwich to the Northwest, and uh, I ended up getting a job with, you know, a sports agency. Which, um, you know, because of my knowledge of the game, I was going to matches, speaking to people, speaking to parents, and um, you know, I was I was picking up a lot of information. So on the back of that, was was offered the job opportunity, which, you know, it, it's lasted ten years, so it can't be that bad. Um, and then Angus, you know, he's he's did his sort of time, played for under twenty threes, learnt from Patrick Vieira, who was his uh, who was his manager, and um, uh, you know there was goalkeeping coaches Zabi Meniscador who worked with Angus as well. Angus was training with Joe Hart, um, you know, and 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 different international goalkeepers, um, you know. He was, he was going down to St George's Park playing for uh, you know under 16s, under 17s, under 18s. So you know his career progressed very quickly as well. Yeah. And um, you know at a young age then, got the opportunity to ironically come back to Norwich City on loan, which was amazing. Um, you know 
Stuart Weber was uh, was a person I, I'd, I'd known and, and, and come across as some of his other roles at different clubs. Yeah. So there was always the um, the sort of the dialogue that we'd have, um, and then when he came and, and asked if Angus was uh, was available for that opportunity, that was incredible. So that made our um, our home trips uh, into 250 miles, uh, well, 500 miles every weekend. Were you ner- were you a wee bit nervous about that though, Gunny? Because I know that you've said that obviously, and and this is the thing. I think people said, well, he's not had any game time. He's not actually played at a level yet. But you know, I remember messaging Angus, and he was like taking shots off Sergio Aguero, and so he took to it like a duck to water. But the Norwich fans were nervous, and I must admit, I've you know what I I was so nervous about that. I didn't need to be in the end, but I. Every time I was just so worried about like Angus conceding or Norwich getting smashed. And but what was it like for you? Was there an added pressure because of your history at the club? Um, I, well, I would have thought so. I would have thought there was added pressure, not on me, uh, on Angus. I would have thought, you know, the pressure, the pressure wasn't on me because you know I was his dad. I was going along to games to watch him uh, and, and hope that Norwich City won games, which I always do anyway. You know, that was that was just a you know the the the. The nerves, I suppose, were, were slightly different. And um, I remember the first game at Fulham, like it was yesterday, um, you know, a 1-1 draw. But as soon as social media started and, and you know, another legend son, um, Tom Huckabee, um, you know, starting off the Angus Gun song on a, yeah. on a, a riverboat uh, coming along the Thames. And, um, you know, I just I thought that was fantastic. And, you know, he made a couple of saves, big saves in the game. Um, you know, he proved his uh, qualities, you know, even though he was a, a youngish goalkeeper, he was, um, you know, he, he had the he had the ability to play at that level. There's no doubt about that. And I think he showed that with Norris City. Um, it's just a shame that there was no real challenge that season to, you know, get them into the playoffs. It was sort of, it, it, it sort of dwindled away at the wrong time. But um, that, I mean, that's part of his education. It's part of his education. It was amazing. Uh, but on the back of that, playing for Norwich City, um, obviously Southampton um, went to Manchester City and bought him for 12 and a half, 13 million because they had Harrison Reed on loan there. And they used to come and watch Harrison Reed in every game. Ah, right. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Because um, obviously Angus was playing well in, in all those games as well. They, they came back and decided they wanted to sign the goalkeeper. So that that was uh, that was an added bonus to to that. We didn't expect there to be a transfer on the back of it. Uh, Mark Hughes was the manager at Southampton, and um, you know he 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 gave him well. He, unfortunately, he only gave him his opportunity in cup games. It was Ralph Hasenhutl who gave him his uh, debut against uh, Chelsea in uh, 2019. Gunny, do you think Angus will come back to Norwich one day? Uh, well, I do know that there's a date in the diary coming up in uh, November that uh, uh, oh. City are going to Stoke. <laughs> well, well done. Well I, I, know, well I, I know, I know, I know, and then hopefully we're still uh, in the team at the end of the season. I think it's around about March and April oh, okay. Okay. that he will come back. But um, I think, I think what I know about Angus, he's a he's a top quality goalkeeper. I mean, he's my son. Uh, yeah, and uh, he's a top quality person. And yeah. um, you know you can you can sort of uh, follow me up on that. But um, in my knowledge of goalkeepers, you know he's got a calmness about him. He he yeah. 
he overcomes um, adversity very quickly. You know, I don't think he was given an opportunity to do that this season or last season at Southampton after the uh, the horrific defeat to Leicester City. So he was never given a chance to to prove his worth. Um, you know, his next game that he played for the club was a clean sheet. So again, he's got qualities that um, and the goalkeepers need because again, we we look we, we mentioned Michael Theoklatos. He was never given the opportunity to. Um, recover from that uh, 7-1 defeat and you know that's something that I know that top quality goalkeepers do you know they get on with the next game and you know they play well uh, they help the teams win games they help win points and um, you know he, he Angus wasn't given that opportunity but um, you know since he's come to Stoke this month um, he's really enjoyed it he's uh, I think played three and a half games now and they've had uh, they've had two victories two clean sheets um, forward to coming up against him i'm not because i'm my, i'm gonna be like i don't know what i'm gonna I obviously want norwich to win but only by one <laughs> nil 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 you gotta hope for nil nil it's like it's, it's Mate, I, think, know. I think i know the answer to my initial question but we won't go there today lastly gunny could we could go on all night long and um, thousands and thousands of norwich fans are, are, are watching and, and listening to this now all over the world do you have a message for them particularly because of your time as manager as well as player? Yeah, well, it, it's it's something that I'm, I'm so privileged to have played 477 games for one club. Um, yeah, hopefully I, I was doing the right things. There was so five or six different managers over that time that kept me in as number one. Um, you know, I learned my, my trade well at Aberdeen. Um, and then one of my ex-teammates came and, and, and asked me to sign for him at Hibernian. So again, it's, it's that reputation you build up in the game and, um, you know, people give you respect. And I feel I've had a lot of that from the football fraternity. I've had that from the, the, the fans, not only of Norwich City, but, um, you know, opposing fans as well. When you know, I, I do bump into people at games and speak to people about, um, you know, certain certain things. So and, and and to be manager of the football club as well was was fantastic. Although you know it it, it didn't end in uh, a nice way. Um, to be given the opportunity, my only regret is well, we didn't stay in the championship that season, mm-hmm. and um, then I could have maybe furthered my uh, roles as uh, special roles at Norwich City that we talked talked about earlier. Um, you know, sporting director, um, technical director, whatever it may be. Uh, but then again, Stuart Weber would be after my job in, in a few <laughs> years' time. And he seems to be doing a great job as well at the moment. So, uh, but hey, look, I look back in my time at Norwich City um, just before lockdown. Uh, I was in Norwich on uh, March the 12th. Um, I re- renegotiated a new contract for Aston Oxborough, who's one of our uh, young goalkeepers at the uh, sports agency. Yeah. That um, I played golf on the Friday uh, morning with uh, some guys who'd sponsored. Um, myself and um, who's uh, Dean Ashton uh, to play with them um, with the Community Sports Foundation. So we raised uh, nearly a thousand pounds that day for uh, for the Sports Foundation, uh, only to get told that the game on this Saturday against Southampton, ironically enough, was postponed. So Angus uh, could have been at Carroll Road on, I think it might be March the 12th or 13th. Um, that was the uh, that was the game that was uh, locked down on. So, so yeah. So I'll, I'll be back at Norwich. I'm back in Norwich in December. I've got uh, some speaking events that I'm doing uh, with Roger Day from Archway Events. I've got uh, a couple of golf days that 
have been postponed from September, October, and November, and now into December. So hopefully, once this horrible uh, situation uh, changes and lets us get back into some no normality, uh, I'll be back at Norwich and uh, looking forward to seeing Norwich City at Carrow Road, and um, you know, hopefully one day seeing Angus play at Carrow Road, maybe for Stoke City, maybe for Southampton. And who knows, maybe for Norris City. Well done. Good speech, Gunny. That is it. Thank you so much for coming on, mate. I, I really appreciate your time. No problem, mate. On um, the Ball City. Hey, thank you very much, mate. Thanks for saying on the Ball City. You, you beat me to it. And um, if you've enjoyed if you if you've enjoyed that podcast, um, make sure you subscribe. We are just just about to 20,000 on YouTube now. Make sure you get us there as soon as possible. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, feel free to give us a tweet. We are at Talk Norwich City. And go on, give Gunny a tweet as well and make his day. Thank you very much for watching. And as soon as Gunny's already said it, I'll say it anyway. On the ball, City. Come Never on. Mind the danger.